Cheryl Costa is an expert on big data and forensics, and she saw her first UFO at the age of 12. She's a veteran of two military services, the Air Force and the Navy, and she held a very high-level security clearance and eventually retired from a 32-year career at Lockheed Martin as a senior data security analyst. From 2013 to 19, Cheryl wrote the wildly popular UFO newspaper column, New York Skies, for the Syracuse New Times. Cheryl, along with her wife, Linda Miller Costa, co-authored the groundbreaking UFO sightings desk reference from the USA 2001 to 2020 and has a new series of 50 individual state books that has UFO reporting detailed down to the zip code and locality level. She's the recipient of the 2018 IUFOC Researcher of the Year Award and has been presenting at UFO conferences for years. We talked about her book, her research, her personal life, her interest in magic and Freemasonry. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks for uh, thanks for agreeing to talk with me. Happy to, happy to. It's so exciting. I'm so pumped. I've been I've been looking at all of your data, and I'm like so fascinated by all of it. And I'm just so happy that you did it, and that you still do it. And it's so awesome because it's so needed, and I love it. I love it. I don't know, like, I, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> how do you do it? Cheryl, how do you do it? How, I mean, like, how, how do you get into it? Like, how, like, what made you go, okay, I know this data is here. How am I going to put this together and make it actionable and like meaningful and like amazing? Like, like it, what, what made you do it? It started with, I mean, I had a newspaper column from 2013 to 2019, a weekly column. Okay. Right? And uh, there were people who thought I wouldn't, ha- I wouldn't be able to write much more than 13 or 14 <laughs> columns because <laughs> what else is there to write about? Yeah, but right. I, I We'd go out to New Fork or MUFON databases, and I would bring in, uh, I would find stories where there was a little, sometimes most of them are like a one-liner, hey, we saw something, what, you know, that was it. Right. And I would look for the ones that had a little bit more essay to them, mm-hmm. and I would look at it. And and then I had an arrangement with my editor after I'd given him four, four to try things out, you know, and right. he said, I'll try you out for a month. <laughs> you know, and uh, he calls me up about four weeks later, five weeks later, and he's got this tone like the Dread Pirate Roberts on that Princess Bride. I'm almost fucking kill you in the morning. And uh, he says, Get over here. We got to talk. And I'm going, okay. Oh, okay. So I'm late to the meeting because the parking lot's torn up. I go into the meeting. There's all these guys sitting around the board table. They're all columnists. I don't know this. And I walk in, he's talking to him. I'm 10 minutes late. I walk in, he stops, he points at me and says, there's our rock star. Nice. And, <laughs> and you're said, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he says, you've been here a month. You're pulling. Remember, I'm on the online edition, which is what I pitched. Right. You're pulling more pages and all the columnists combined. And about, so he says, just keep doing it. Okay. We came to an understanding. Newspaper stuff is uh, who, went, when, when, uh, okay. High school English class for newspaper. Right. Who, what, when, where, why. Okay. Right. If I could tell you why and could prove it, I'd be getting a Pulitzer and a Nobel Prize. Okay. Right. right. And uh, who is complicated because the, the, the public databases don't share with that. MUFON's got that stuff buried but locked down. The version we see when CMS comes up, at least on the uh, membership edition, won't tell you who. 
Right, and right. Newport doesn't tell you who either. Right. So my degree is in entertainment writing, hmm. not exactly pure journalism. <laughs> so um, he was under the, I, he, Larry Dietrich, God bless his soul, he's passed now. But, um, he, he said, he, he agreed with me that we couldn't out anybody because right, of right. stigma. Right, okay? right. So um, if you, I could tell you what, when, and what, what, when, and where. Right. Okay. So if I told you Bob and Susie were laying on the hood of his 67 Chevy, and then we saw the triangle or whatever they saw go overhead, it right. wasn't Bob and Susie and it wasn't that car, but all the issues with the sighting were the real thing. So I, I fattened the story up a little bit, took a little bit of artistic license, and that's how we did it. But all my articles, and this was the thing we got a lot of mail on from the beginning. All my mm -hmm. articles took a very non-sensational approach. We just reported the UFO sighting. Right. Like I would report the burglary two blocks over, the fire five blocks down the street, um, uh, the house robbery, you know. Right, I, I, right. It was just, a, just another story. Right, right. Now, we did something interesting with the, with the articles, too. Uh, we we started putting these little one-liners. Remember all those one-liners I told you about? Yeah, I yeah. Take, I would take the one-liners, and I kept track of the one-liners, and I would put them in there. And so it would read like a one-liner, date and time. So it'd say something like, um, uh, uh, is it, what's today? Uh, the 21st. Uh, uh, September 21st, 10 p.m., um, uh, uh, Syracuse, New York, uh, uh Couple saw a couple saw a triangle uh, fly off into the northeast sky, blotted out the stars. Uh, right. They saw a bright saucer-shaped craft uh, come down, hover at the treetops, go back up in the sky, and wink out. Okay, and the wink out ones for the ones that really rattled before they were just boom, gone. gone you know? right. Yeah, so yeah. And uh, so that's how I wrote my articles. And about four to six months later, and it's about four months later. The digital editor, who was my ear, I was always a freelance. Okay, gotcha. I was never an on-the-clock employee. I was a freelance. Cool. And uh, But it's still a weekly column. And people right. say, well, that must be fun to write a weekly column. I said, it's a 500 to 1,000-word term paper every Thursday. Mm. Okay? And there were Wednesdays. I would be sitting here sweating bullets because I, <laughs> I didn't have anything. Of course, Linda would come along and say, well, you haven't done this, and you haven't explored that, and have you ever thought about doing this, you know? And she was always a really fantastic muse. That's awesome. Well, Perfect. So what happened was, um, uh, you have to have something to write about. Yeah. And we started looking at, since New York State was my beat, so to speak, yeah. Um, and I pitched the column as New York Skies. Okay, so the idea was, uh, let's look at some of the cities. Let's look at some, you know, things like this. When I, I went to get county information. While MUFON had it, it was usually wrong. Oh, really? So there, it was in, the so database was incorrect? It was dependent upon the person putting in the entry. Oh, okay. Okay. okay? And 3.5% right. didn't, didn't even fill in the city. Oh, geez. And later we would find out that about 7%. Now, in the bigger database, I'll, I'll give you a number in a minute on that. Um, and about 7.5% would fill it in. They might say, Olean, New York, next to Joe's gas station. You can't sort on that. 
Right, right. I yeah. keep persevering, right? You know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm right there with you. <laughs> you got to okay. start on Joe's gas station, right? You yeah. can't sort on it. It would come out as a, on a report. It would come out as a separate entry. Okay? Right, and there right. was a lot of that. So the ones that didn't fill out any cities, sometimes there would be a line in there. The sheriff told me not to tell you. My father told me not to tell you. My wife told me not to tell you. Something yeah. like that. Okay. Right. Um, or I'm afraid the government's watching me, something like that. You know? uh, <laughs> I, I, one of the cool ones was like from a really small village. There are only 24 houses in our village. And if I file a report, they'll know what was me. Okay. So, so, so there was that problem. So wow. um, I started keeping track of the county information. I started right. looking it up. Okay. Yeah. I asked New Fork, do you guys keep counting information? They don't even collect it. They told me, put a pin in the map, you know. And I'm a, honest to God, that was the line I got back from uh, Davenport's office, you know. Wow. So um, so wow. we started supplementing, putting that information. And gradually, we ended up doing all either groups of counties that were together or all 62 counties in New York State. And we started showing them to retired state directors, retired state investigators from MUFON, that kind of thing, you know. And there was yeah. a bunch of them around. And they would say, wow, we didn't know there was a cluster there. We didn't know there was a cluster there either. Okay, give you an example. Before I came along, Linda and I came along, everybody thought Hudson Valley was the hot spot in the southern part of New York State. And the Lake Erie effect was that, hey, that, that was the Lake Erie frontier. That's where, that's where it all was. Right, okay. right, right. We come along and do all the county data or do all the cities and county data together. And all of a sudden, Monroe County, which is essentially the Rochester area, has almost as many as Lake Erie. And the wow. investigators, these retired investigators, are like, wow, we didn't know there was a Lake Ontario effect. Wow, you know. <laughs> and then they said, well, 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 obviously, Hudson Valley's got to be ground zero. And I said, no, actually, it's coming out to be Suffolk County, Long Island. Um, Montauk Point. Oh, <laughs> imagine that. <laughs> imagine that, you know. So um, uh, Long Island itself was in the top four positions. Right. Okay, wow. Number one for, for, for Suffolk. Um, uh, Manhattan was number two or three. And then Nassau County came into it. So, you know, it was in the top four. Right. And uh, so... This stuff really got things going. So, uh, like four to six months later, you're pulling a, a national audience show. Right. And at the Christmas party, the publisher gets up there with the digital editor and he says, Cheryl's pulling an international audience. <laughs> We're a dinky little upstate New York weekly giveaway paper. This is one of the ones you can get walking out walking out of your dentist's office, you know, walking it's like out in of the 7-Eleven. It's yeah, like in the yeah, box, the, yeah. The box stuff. And, <laughs> yeah. and the online edition. Yeah. Uh, in fact, um, they did a two-page uh, a page two story. Page right. one is the cover and then page two. Page two was always done uh, by the editor of features or whatever. We're doing something special this week. Right. And um, uh, Larry took the page thing there about um, around that year point. Okay. Mm -hmm. He said the most popular feature in our paper is not in print. Wow. That's it's cool. On the online edition. And it just there. kept growing over the next eight years. 
Yeah. You know, wow. Next six years, I'm sorry. We were yeah. doing it for seven years, 238 articles. Wow. Okay. And 237 of them were published. Now, wow. I was never censored. And I, I wrote some rowdy stuff that any place else would have probably got censored. Okay. <laughs> Um, I did. Uh, I did. Um, uh, you'll love this. I at one point when I had all this county information, I said yeah. when I had it all done for MUFON, mm-hmm. I did a report and I broke it down by as close as I could because they gerrymandering and all that kind of stuff. But I broke it down to, um, I don't know how to say this. Uh, I broke it down to congressional districts. Oh, I did, interesting. I did a bar chart of all the congressional, uh, all the amount of UFOs in New York State over the last, at that point, 15 years or something like that, um, by congressional district. And it went down, you know, <laughs> and we got all this hate mail from congressional offices and all this kind of stuff, phone calls and everything like that. The editor said, keep doing it, you know. So, um, and then when I got the MUFON data all cleaned up, I see, I think I said just the MUFON. I had one of them done first, and then I did the second one. Right. And then I put them together. Okay, the two databases did not line up. I had to go and change fields and things like this. Right, of and, course. Uh, it was a lot of work. And I didn't oh, know what amazing. I really hard. didn't I mean, know what we were doing. Right. Okay. But both Linda and I were former government contractors. And as gotcha. a government contractor, you learn to do as little work as possible. <laughs> okay, now what does that mean? It means once you figure out how to do a particular job, you write down all the good notes, you put together a process procedure so you can do it faster next time. Yep. Okay. And it yep. frees you up to do other things. And uh, we got very good at doing that. Things that took us two or three months to do back in the day, I can do in a month now or a couple of weeks now. Nice. Things that took Very me cool. uh, uh, a month to do then, I can do in a morning now. Wow, that's great. Okay. That's great. So uh, we know how to do this. And uh, so that was the deal. That was the big deal. Uh, the only article that was never published, it was three years into the column. Okay, uh, we started in 2013, so this would have been around 2005, 2006. Oh, I'm sorry, 2013, this would have been, let's see, 13, 14, 15, it was around 2015 or so. Uh-huh. And um, I wrote an article about what would do, what's disclosure going to possibly look like? Oh. Okay. All um, right. And I set a scene, you know, I... I I went to film school. I went to playwriting school. I knew how to set a scene, you know? Right, right, So right. I set the scene. So the president's going to be out there. Maybe the vice president. The leadership of both houses of Congress. Maybe some of the joint chiefs are going to be there for this thing. And right. they're going to announce that the United States has made contact with a space-bearing race. Okay? And of course, every debunker in the world wrote, you know, they're not going to do it like that. They're never going to do it. This stuff is like imaginary, you know. So, okay, fine. But I said, but what? how is this going to impact our culture? I said, yeah. suddenly, our ET friends are going to be the darlings on Good Morning America, you know, or right. some of these other shows, you know, The View or something like that. <laughs> right, um, right. We're going to have... Um, perfumes inspired by the off-worlders you know all, all the fashions inspired by our our culture we would we're, we weren't going to be able to get away from them for five years on tv at least right and at least and our if the things that anthropologists and that's why i say these guys are anthropologists 
right. because they don't want to contaminate the site. Mm-hmm. And they, if they come down and start sharing their stuff, it's going to contaminate our culture. Suddenly, we're going to be wearing alien fashions, alien <laughs> perfume, you know, alien, alien hairdo if they got hairdos, you know, um, yeah. you know, all this stuff. And I got a call back from my editor, and he says, "We're not publishing that one. Send us something else over." And I always tried to have two or three ready to go. Right. And right. he says, "Did I do something wrong? You've never censored me, so we're not right. censoring you. We're just spiking the article." Spike me. The editors had a spike on the disc. It's just not going anywhere or wow. not that version. Why? I said, why? Yeah. He said, you've been writing this column for three years weekly. It's about 150 articles. Right. You've established. We thought we thought this was going to be a silly topic when you started, and you have established such gravitas on this. We think the snarky article is below you. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't out of outright censorship. They just thought, eh, you know, it's too snarky. We're going to put this one on the on the spike. Now, huh? When I published my uh, my book of um, somebody ran off of that copy too. <laughs> Your desk reference? I don't believe it. I put copies of the desk reference here for my quick use. And they disappear. Yeah. <laughs> they disappear. Okay, um, guests, you know, yes. uh, <laughs> and it, it can be terrestrial guests or it can be other guests. <laughs> in, my, in my house, it's almost the same. It doesn't matter. <laughs> hijinks in the night. That's how mm. we call it. We call it hijinks in the night. Um, mm. uh, a good friend of mine on uh, Twitter, um, uh, Linda, uh, who's an investigator, she's she says, um, oh, activity in the household. Activity in the household. <laughs> yeah, it's another good way to put it. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so but the bottom line was, in the, I put, at the when the paper went under in June mm-hmm. of 2019, um, everybody who had a column there who was still hadn't been bought out or something, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. we all got to write a final final column. Oh, cool, cool. And I, I wrote one. But I, I went to the publisher and said, I was always a freelance. Said, yeah. I said, can I go on the server and harvest the final edited versions of all my columns? He said, sure. Cool. So they gave me an ID in to do it beyond my normal posting ID. And I harvested of all 237 articles. That's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. And, we po- and then during COVID, during 2020, during lockdown, I, yeah. I put them all into an eight and a half by 11 book and, <laughs> and published these for the UFO beat and it's available on Amazon, you know. That's awesome. Very cool. Definitely going to check that one out. That's that's great. I mean, that's a, a massive body of work. I mean, and that's, that's going to make you so proud. I mean, you, you got into it and then boom. I mean, so what got you into it the before? Statistics? Yeah, no, no, yeah, no. But what got you into the whole UFO thing before, before all of that, all before right. the column, would, before okay. any of that? How did you, how right. did the, what happened? Real short story. Like, we'll go, we'll, we'll go back real quick. Uh, okay, so, okay. Uh, back around 1965, I was about 12, going okay. on 13. Uh, a couple of weeks before schools will start, late August, that type of thing. And we we're coming down from my uncle's farm. That, uh, he was up on a hill. We we're coming down the farm. Um, and it had been a wet season. The corn, I remember the corn being higher than the Chevy Impala. It was a wow. really wet season. Good, good crop. That year. Yeah. Coming down, my mother had my father stop the car. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. And I said, Why are we stopping? You know, could they have a flat or something? You know, right. And my mom pointed out into a clear blue western sky, 
and there is a silver ball parked out there. Wow. Now, give your audience an idea. Hold your arm out. Look at your little finger. That's how big the, the fingernail. That's how big it was. Right. Okay? So um, we sat there and talked about it. And I said, well, NASA is only five or six years old. Maybe it's something they're doing. Maybe it's a weather balloon. Maybe it's the Air Force, you know. Might right. be people from another world. Oh, wow. So she did actually say that at the time. She, she, she said she, it exactly that wow. way. And that fascinated the 12-year-old. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, All yeah. Right, we get back on the road. But down the bottom of the hill, dad turns left to head back home. Okay, this little farming area in upstate New York. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I got up the Chevy Impala in those days, had these big windows. Oh, yeah. Back. And oh, I yeah. got up there and I said, Who are you guys? Who are you guys? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when that thing decided to leave, about 10 minutes later, I still see it. It was like, You didn't see a thing like that again in the movies until like in the early 90s. Wow. Just yeah, gone. Star Trek, you know, when it goes into warp and there's a kind of thing. Yeah. Didn't see a thing like that until like the early 90s. It was like, what, uh, 65, uh, 75, 85, 95. Uh, yeah, it was like 30 years later. Wow. That wow. changes you. That changes you. Oh, yeah. You. So, yeah. So, yeah, definitely. You know, when you're a teenager, mom and dad are stupid. Yeah, of course. Know, <laughs> mom and dad, you know, yeah, my yeah, old yeah. man, my old lady, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Mom and I developed a relationship where we could talk about the topic matter. Oh, cool. Very cool. She'd get books at the library. I'd get books at the library. I was a boy person in those days. If I saw an article about UFOs in Barbershop and Argus Magazine, it came home with me. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. You know. yeah, Sometimes right. just the page. You know? <laughs> um, so uh, we had a lot of conversations about it. It was like giving each other little book reports on Saturday night if Dad had to work or something. You know? right, right, right. And um, got into the late 60s, Don Danigan's book, Cherry of the Gods, came out. Oh, right. That was huge then, wasn't it? That was massive oh, for the it time. Was it was, everybody was talking about it. It was like the talk. He was on talk they, shows they, and everything. They right? just kept printing copies over in Switzerland, you know. Yeah. And we had a, a big paperback edition. Yeah. She dog eared on the top. I dog eared on the bottom. We destroyed that book. You know? <laughs> but we were both conversant. Now, when I went into the service and they were screening a bunch of us for security clearances. Oh. Um, one of the 150 organizations you couldn't be a member of was this organization called MUFON and this oh. other organization called ICAP. <laughs> ah, that's and interesting. MUFON at that point was only about two years old as it was. It was an old, a- old APRO chapter up in the world. Right, right, right. And uh, it was, well, okay, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut, you know? <laughs> you know. So I did two years in the Air Force. I was a, a cable lineman. Ah. Okay, cool. Uh, served in Vietnam, combat service in Vietnam. Okay, thank great, you. Thank you very well. much for your service. Appreciate it. it crazy stuff over there. I bet. Um, you climb telephone poles. People shoot at you on those things, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a hazardous job, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, for sure. I got out. Uh, I did have a sighting over there. Christmas Eve, 1971. I was 19. Uh, and yeah. a friend of mine and I were walking down. We were going to go to midnight mass for something to do. We had both been, we formerly were Catholics. Yeah. And we were going to go down for something to do. And yeah. um, we went, we were walking down to the chapel 
some gazillion stars in the sky night, and they had right. shut down most of the runway lights, so there was not a lot of light pollution. And we were right. out on a uh, we were out on a peninsula, a place called Cameron Bay, and it's a huge peninsula. Okay, it's sand. Mm-hmm. They get they issue that's desert boots instead of jungle boots. Okay? Wow, wow. And um, we saw this thing going across the sky, and it stops. Oh. And my friend said, uh, jets don't stop. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. helicopters don't fly that fast. Right. And yeah. Sitting there looking at it and says, what the hell is that? You know? And I said, you know, with some stuff I've been reading over the years, I said, if that's what I think it is, it's going to start dancing around like a fairy and darn if it didn't. And then <laughs> gone, you know? Wow. Neither one of us had our mind on midnight mass. Right. I bet. I bet. Yeah. So, wow. um, okay, so I was in the Air Force for two years, got out on a hardship discharge with my hometown, got wiped out in the flood. Mm. Okay. Two years later, I tried to go back in the Air Force. I was a sergeant at that point and uh, tried to go, go back in. They were end of the Vietnam War. They were reducing forces and things like this. Gotcha. Yeah, so yeah. I'm leaving the, the, the recruiters off and said, now nah, we can't take you. You got rank, you know. And I'm walking down the hall and the Navy recruiter, hey, kid, come here. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, he offered I'll me take a, it. Well, six year, a six year contract offered me two year package of school, high tech school. There you go. So that's what I did. Cool. And at that point, I, again, I got back into the situation where I was under a very, this time, a high security clearance. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I trained for submarines. And my DD 214, I can't tell you exactly what I did, but my my DV-214 says uh, in the last discharge papers, I was a first-class petty officer, uh, said senior electronic warfare specialist. Nice. Okay. Now, I basically did signal analysis, and that's as much as I can tell you. Okay? Gotcha. I listened to signals, and I analyzed them. So there you I go. analyzed at that point. Okay. Okay. Um, cool. And uh, what also happened was they figured out that I had a dark room at home. Oh. They sent me to Periscope Photography School. So oh, besides neat. gathering ELINT or electronic intelligence, I also was gathering, when they did surface ops, it was special things. We, we, I was doing photo intelligence, click, 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 you know, through the Periscope, right. or one of the Periscopes. Nice. So that's the kind of work I did. There was a lot of analysis work that I did, and that's as much as I can tell you about it. Okay. That's cool. But you enjoyed uh, it. Did you actually enjoy it? Well, I mean, it sounds like you did. It sounds like you. I you, had a blast. Yeah. It sounds like it was awesome. Thanks. It was that Tom Clancy stuff. It was a blast. Trust me. It <laughs> really bet, was. I fun. bet. I had a lot of fun with that. And I'm still in contact with a lot of people from, from the old boat. It really oh, that's, gr- that's great. That's uh, great. That's so cool. uh, that's, that was that. Now, I left the Navy and I quickly found myself working for a defense contractor. And they said, well, we have to get to a security clearance. And I said, well, fill, fill in these numbers here for on my application. And I said, why? I said, well, I had a really good one before I left the Navy. And they called me in like three weeks later and said, we've never had one come in in under four months. And yours came in in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I told you. you, know, yeah. you know. So, um, so for between my military, almost 10 years in the military and right. then uh, uh, 32 years with Lockheed Martin, wow. I was under a clearance for the better part of 40 years. Like 
mo- like half your most of your life, most of your life. Yeah. Yeah. That's my, honestly. That's my, uh, 40 years of my, uh, my adult life. I'm 70 yeah. years old. You know? So, um, wow. so the bottom line was uh, when they retired me out in 2011, that kind of took that stricture off. Ah. And then I, I started finishing a 40 year old bachelor's degree. No, I say that. <laughs> I took courses every place I went. Right, I right, right. Sources to be while I was in the Navy. I took books to see with me, came back and took the test. And mm-hmm. I always messed up the curve because I studied everything really hard because I didn't know what he was going to test on. And I always put the, the test score up to the point where it messed up the curve. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's fun. Uh, uh, so all this stuff happened. So I, I get I get retired from Lockheed. And I, I go to finish a bachelor's degree in Empire State College, New York State, State University of New York, took all my credit in. Yeah. And uh, I had to do some residency. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I was doing those classes and things, did some unique stuff. And they did it with me instead of a regular classroom because I was an older student. They allowed me to, do, uh, they put me into a mentorship. Oh, that's cool. So it was like, it was like going to Oxford. We were working one-on-one with a professor. That's pretty know, cool. Which was, which was fun. Yeah. It was yeah, really yeah. fun. I tell me, tell me what to go home and read. And I'd go home and read. And, and he or she would have me come in for two, uh, for two hours, maybe about every three weeks, and sit in there with a cup of tea and argue for two hours. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, That's uh, the kind of class you want to have right there. Oh, <laughs> uh, we had a lot of fun. We really did. And they liked me because, especially when I wrote my papers, um, uh, I, I had that sort of a journalistic approach to my writing. So right. uh, they, they love my papers. They said entertaining. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wasn't just going, ah, 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 ah. you actually had the flow. That's awesome. So, so there, there was a lot of fun there. Um, so bottom line, by 2000, let's see, 2012, I'm working at a newspaper, but I'm in the tech department. And our tech department was, we were the electronic technicians. Mm-hmm. And we were the, um, uh, we also made the plates every night. I think about the plates. They oh, not wow. pouring hot lead or anything. Uh, right. Imagine something that looks like cookie sheets with no edges on the side, going through uh, some kind of a photographic situation, going through a, an automated bath. You had a big conveyor belt type of thing. And right. we made the plates every night. Uh, wow. When I first started out, we'd make maybe 150 plates for the morning edition. Um, before I left, the paper was contracting to other newspapers to so they didn't have to have presses anymore. So we ah. had twelve newspapers. I was making a thousand plates a night. Wow! You know, it was crazy. And uh, so one night, was, uh, if I remember it very well, November fifth, two thousand twelve, the seven hundred twist, seven hundred ton Swiss press had just started rolling. All we had to do is sit back for ninety minutes and let the press run. Right. Okay? So we're sitting there. I, I had my turn on. I called up the web, decided to take a quick look at CNN.com, see if anything news was going on. And there was this little sidebar story, about 150 words. UFOs have been declining since the 1980s. Maybe they were always just an urban legend. What? Yeah. Whoa. And I looked at that. And while I was not a fanatic about it, I said, <laughs> about UFOs, I, I said, that feels like misinformation. That can't right. be right. Yeah. So for the first time in my life, I went out to the National UFO Reporting Center. This is before I got my collar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I crawled back a couple of pages on their website, found some end-of-year totals, I think, took the 1985 up to 2012, and 
the thing went up like a rocket. <laughs> you know, parabolic curve, you know. Yeah. I'm going, what memo didn't the UFOs get? You know? <laughs> right. We're talking not just hundreds of sightings, we're talking thousands of sightings. I'm going, oh my God, you know. Right. So um so I was in this, I was finishing this degree. And so I started reading next night after the press got gone. I started reading some of these reports and I kind of bought into the secret sauce. Oh, yeah, it's just coops, nuts, and crackpots that pile these things. Right, right, right. right. These very same things. We never believed in it before, but last night we were on top of our camper and we saw that, you know. Yeah. yeah. So I started writing these things up. And I went around to six different editors, including the paper I was working for, and they laughed me out of the office, chased me out of the office, all this stuff. Wow. And uh, I was about ready to give up. And I got a, a text, uh, actually not a text, it was like an email from Larry Dietrich at the Syracuse New Times. He said, come on over, let's talk. Now, Larry was bought out from the paper I worked for. <laughs> okay. He was gotcha. a senior copy editor, you know. They were thinning staff, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I went over to see him. We talked for about 20 minutes over a cup of tea. He said, we both were about the same age, so we'd read the same books in the late 60s, early 70s. Cool. So cool. he said, I'm 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 conversing. I'm sympathetic to the topic. I, I'm the editor in chief. I can't write that column, but you can. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So I'll try you off for a month. And of course you I told you what happened to that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so that that's where we went with the whole thing. And how we got into statistics was we got to that point where we had done New York State stuff and um it was October of 2015. Linda and I were sitting in our favorite pub. And we were a couple of pints waiting for our burgers, you know. Yeah. And and she said, look at all the cool stuff we found. And she's the real scientist of the tour. Remember, I got an arts and entertainment degree. <laughs> she's got the real science degree. She's got a master's in library science. She worked for the National Academy of Science. She was the head librarian at the Environmental Protection Agency for 15 years. You know, wow. psychology, that kind of thing. That's so awesome. she said, let's do the whole country. We figured awesome. it would take a year. It was 18 months worth of weekends. Wow. Okay, uh, 2,000 hours. Roughly. Wow! Wow! And um, and then we published what we call the the we published the it's called we call it the white book. It's the uh, UFO settings. That's where two thousand one to two thousand fifteen. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Logo. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and that logo came from people thought that was clip art or something. Yeah. Uh, I had a, a artist friend of mine, and I said I need something, and I told her what I needed. Yeah, and so she was. Well, what kind of shape do you want me to do? I picked out a couple off of this sheet of paper that had a whole bunch of different shapes. Mm -hmm. I said, take these six and kind of just do a pencil sketch. Nothing fancy. Just show me a pencil sketch. Let me get your interpretation. I don't want it to look like commercial art. Right, right. She said, what do you want it to look like? She says, I'm investigating you. You said you saw a UFO. I want to see what you sketched on the back of a pizza box or on a couple of napkins. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So she did that approach. That's okay. cool. And then I, I picked the one we, we we picked that one with the windows because You're it's right. what Daddy and Barty and Hill had seen. That's right. And yeah. we said, okay, fine, let's go with that. And she inked it, and that's that's what that's been our trademark. That's awesome. That's very very cool. That I mean, the, the amount of the work that you had to do to I mean, you know, I'm in IT as well, and just just playing around in Excel for anybody who's never done it will just is mind boggling. Let alone taking disparate databases. 
and trying to jam them together into something that makes any type of sense. Whenever we had to do major manipulations of the fields and things, we brought it down into Excel. Gotcha. Okay, because it was yeah. easier to change change fields that way. You know? And then yeah, suck, yeah. It, suck it back up. In fact, we didn't do it with a fancy database. We just simply did it with Access. <laughs> just Microsoft Access, just making this this Lincoln uh, fields and just putting it, making it happen, right? It, it worked well. And, and occasionally for some kinds of things to generate a chart, we would bring it, bring it down into Excel to generate certain charts. The, the, uh, the Access wasn't so good at that. But right. again, they were compatible from it, taking data back and forth from each other. So it worked out well. Jeez, um, but I'm, that's just amazing. I mean, I think a lot of that is just mind boggling where you have some of these institutions that we, you know, we like to call as institutions now, you know, NICAP, you have, you know, MUFON that just, you know, let's just not fill out all these required boxes as like counties, <laughs> you know, like, like other things that are, you know, you would think are just uh, blatantly obvious for somebody to be able to go, yeah, let's do that. And and what? the other part of that is, is that nobody thought to do what you did. Is, no, is, did- they didn't. And that was the thing Linda was pointing out. One uh, yeah. argument she had with me about halfway through writing the column. She said, look, I'm going to make a joke out of this. Most people, if you talk to them back when we first started writing the column, the golden days of UFOs, like the 40s, 50s, and 60s, the FM radio station, 40s, the best UFOs from the 40s, 50s, and 60s, you know, that kind of thing, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she says, you're showing me numbers that are greater than anything they had. Of course. But after 1968, newspapers stopped reporting them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right, right. So there's this illusion that those were the golden days. Mm-hmm. But if you look at our book, if, um, in, in the 2020 book, we call it the pink book. Oh, yeah. Pull that one out. We call it yeah, the there pink you go. book. Okay. Right. Pink because we thought we might end up testifying before Congress when they got around to doing congressional hearings, and it's still in the table. Yeah, um, it is. Um, so they, uh, Linda and I, and when they first approached us, um, the, the usual suspects are lobbyists in D.C. Yeah. Um, when they first approached us, they said, would you guys be willing to do it? You've done, you, Blue Book didn't even do what you guys have done. Right. That's what's amazing. It's like you you, you two, two, the both of you, single, something that nobody had thought of and or could do for and they sat on all this 70 data. years. Both databases sat on all this stuff. Uh, New Forks since the 70s, moved on for the last 70, you know. Uh, so, well, Linda and I said, oh, okay, we were federal contractors. You, you spend your career trying not to have to testify before Congress. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so we said, uh, okay, fine. You know, and her and I yeah. got talking and I said, well, picture this. We're sitting there on C-SPAN testifying before these guys. We've been down there. And we, we had 30-year careers in D.C. We know what a congressional hearing looks like, you know. Right, right. So we said, they're up there, they're thumbing through books, things like this. We want them to know that that's our book. There you we go. Know that, that book has been done by a couple of women. So there we you decided go. to make it bright pink, bright fuchsia, brighten up the flag in an aircraft, <laughs> you know, and they'll know it's our book, baby, you know. And then we dedicated it to Coral Lorenz, who was the founder of APRO in 1952. That's awesome. That is okay. awesome. That is very and, cool. And so it, that was the other thing, because when we came out with the white book, um, we caught a lot of hell. People said, 
where these women come from? They fall out of the sky. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, they're not field investigators. The, 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 the numbers, charts, graphs, and numbers, that, you can't use that for UFOs. You know, I'm like, how do you got no field investigation? Wow. And my first argument when people cornered me on some show like this, you know, I said, um, we're old ladies. We don't do cow patties. We don't do barbed wire. We don't do ticks. <laughs> and I don't march around in Mrs. Murphy's barnyard at night looking for UFO evidence. You know, come on, you know. Uh, I said, yeah. Indiana Jones, Last Crusade, investigation starts in the library, you know, scientific investigation. Right, so, right. That's the tone both Linda and I took. That's great. Um, no, I, took, I mean, let the data speak for itself. I mean, like you're you're like you're not embellishing anything. I mean, the data is the data, and it's amazing that they had that kind of response. Now, did, the did hate Bu- mail we got? Oh, was mail. it from it, Buffon it, itself? Like oh, the officials? No, no, like no, what? No, how no, are no. the how are the officials at at, at that level to to uh, you guys? I'm uh, on that. Um, the former director Jan Hardison had a copy of the white book. I'd sent them two copies. I sent two, two to Peter Davenport as well. Yeah. And uh, they had them on their desk, from what I understand. Okay. There you go. So this is a good thing. I mean, uh, nobody else had given them something like this. Right. He's trying right. to get, get get grants and things like that from MUFON. He had a book on his desk that showed them how the scale of numbers, you know. New York right. Times sent uh, Ralph Blumenthal up to do an interview with us. Came up on the train, spent a day with us, you know. That's um, great. So... <laughs> The day after the electronic version. And if your listeners want to see that article, mm-hmm. uh, if you go out here with your search engine, do a search for NYT for New York Times, Costa, C-O-S-T-A, UFO. Okay, yeah. NYT, Costa, UFO. And you will get an April 24th online edition of Science Magazine. They put us in Science Magazine. It was a nice. real serious article. And their argument was, 2017, this was 2017, 2017 was a disclosure year. There was the Obama-era disclosure coming right. from the National Archives and all those downloads that were in there with the Kissinger documents. Right, right. Our thing came out in April, and then December 16th was the big reveal about ATIP. Okay, right. So 17 was a big disclosure, but most people at this point at, at December 16th, but if you really look at the big picture... There was a big effort by a newspaper of record, world newspaper of record, to get this disclosure ball rolling. Right, right, right. So that article came out on the online edition, and then the next morning, hit the printed paper. My phone started ringing at eight thirty and didn't stop ringing till ten thirty that night. I called wow. the newspaper on my lunch break, and they said our phones have been ringing off the hook too. <laughs> News directors, <laughs> editors all over the world. It's amazing. Want to talk to you? Want That's talk great. To us. Right. So um, again, a little goofy weekly paper in upstate New York, you know, <laughs> that does all the um, uh, sh- show schedules and stuff, you know, um, <laughs> like where but, the bands are playing this weekend. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. You know, <laughs> and um, so that was kind of where the thing was. The other thing we took a hit is they're a gay couple. Mm-hmm. We took a huge amount of hit on that. And of wow. course, I'm a trans lady, so uh, we took a ton of hit on that. You know, yeah. how can we trust their numbers? They're queer. They don't know what they're talking about. They're women. They don't know what they're talking about. And wow. uh, so when I went to do the 2019, I got booked to someplace almost every two weeks for the entire year. 
Uh-huh. Linda couldn't go. I was retired. I could go. Right. Linda right. was still working. She was um what they called it end of career coasting job. You know, <laughs> she, <laughs> yeah. she, she went to work for Lemoyne College. It's a Jesuit school in Syracuse. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Okay, and well, hell, uh, when the pink the the white book came out. One day she's in some kind of a staff meeting and everything, and they just said, anybody got any other news? You know, they're talking about so-and-so got married and so-and-so, you know, just uh, got back in Europe, you know. And Linda said, um, we just had a science magazine, my wife and I just had a science magazine article in the New York Times, <laughs> followed by one in the Times of London, followed by, you know, one in Rome, and da-da-da-da. Well, the Vatican has a copy of the White Book. Wow. You know? That's um, awesome. So we're going on, and... We, they went to leave the meeting. This one professor asked her some serious questions about what we did for the statistics. His wife was with him, and she's a professor. And she heard Linda say UFOs, and she almost fell down on the floor laughing so hard. What a wow. ludicrous topic, man. Okay. 2019, I've put someplace almost every two weeks for the whole, almost a whole year. Right. And uh, in fact, the funny thing about that was, I would go to the conference, come back, wash the clothes I wore at that conference, and then retack them in the same chapter bag. <laughs> I wore the same set of clothes all year long. It was a nice, I, it was a good set of outfits. I said, "Why not?" You know. Yeah. But yeah. Um, uh, the problem was um, that whole gay thing was really uh-huh. weighing on me. 2018. Mm. Some of the crap we were taking from the, the, the trolls and detractors and things right 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 so i added four more slides to the beginning of the presentation after the title slides mm-hmm. i said here's a picture of each of us we're not sisters we're a married couple and i threw another slide and there was three pictures picture of me in the air force my combat helmet on boy picture Picture yep. of me in the Navy with a big bushy pulp on your beard, for God's sake. And then, <laughs> like, one of my glamour shots, you know. Uh, and uh, I said, this is me, guys. Okay? Then I showed the next picture was me and her jumping over a groom in our sacred union. And then one in our real legitimate legal marriage in 2011. A Zen monk standing there with a revolt Buddhist. And... Um, and then I got to the last, I got to the last one, and I looked at the audience. Says, "Guys, we catch a lot of crap for being who we are. We're genuine. We've done this incredible work. And if you can't deal with us, you're never going to deal with ET." That's that's such a great point. Oh my God, Cheryl, that's amazing. Seriously, I mean, we can't get our shit together just to deal with normal things <laughs> on Earth, you know, like things that people are squeamish about. I mean, I was expecting rocks and tomatoes from the audience. Six hundred people yeah. stood up and gave me a standing ovation. That's amazing. That's and then, very, uh, very and awesome. It was pretty solid like that thereafter. You know, uh, I had very, very good feedback the whole year. And then, of course, we get into COVID. And that kind right. of everything to hell, <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, no, but that's so great. Thank you for having the courage to do that and be and stand up and, and, and you know, just tell everybody who you are and not give a shit. I mean, it, that takes huge guts. And, and I applaud you for that. Thank you so much. Now that Linda has retired. Uh, the last several presentations, Linda and I presented in the Ozarks back in April. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And the first ten minutes of it, I basically first thing I, I after we were introduced, I said, "Okay, I've been the face of this thing for six years." Okay, Linda's the scientific brains. I got the top hat and the cane. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so let her tell you why we did this. Right. And she right. explained she thought that UFOs needed to be studied kind of like they studied disease model and found like a, 
um, uh, uh, Love Canal. Okay. They used epidemiology techniques to see where these peaks of things happen. Got it. Okay. And why are cool. they there? And a lot of people tell me, oh, why, you know, why is there UFOs showing up more there than over there, you know? And this is what we were trying to do. Linda and right. I, on that October 15th pub, pub thing, yeah. said, and Linda said it this way, let's measure the phenomenon. Oh, that's great. Let's look at the disease model instead of individual autopsies. Right, right. That's what, that, that's what field investigations are, is auto, uh, post-mortems on a sighting. Yes, yeah. totally. And we decided totally. to study the disease model, see how big it is, and, and use 21st century information. Right, right. Okay. Now, when we did the white book, people said, why didn't you go back 40 years? So we said, okay, when we were working on the pink book, I got a data dump for that window of time, 2000 going back to 1960. Right. Okay. It amounts to, and we combined, I never Putting those databases together is messy. Okay? It's messy. Yeah, real messy. And uh, 1960 to 2000, MUFON and MUFON data together amounted to 15,156 sightings. Wow. Sounds like a lot. Turn it out on a graph, and it goes across. It, go, it, it looks like a little, um, a little snake or dragon crawling across the land, little seven-year humpy things, okay? There's a peak about every six to seven years. And it wow. trails off in a peak, okay? This is a measurement over time, okay? Right, right. Not many people had shown us that kind of stuff. Right, right, totally. And, and we said, okay, this is 1960 to 2000. And the peak, they averaged 200 to 300 a year, as little as 150, Okay. Mm-hmm. And then um, I can I can send you what that chart looks like. Uh, I'll send it to you on Twitter. Okay. And uh, and then we got to 2001, which is what we measured in our pink book, 2001 to 2020, 20 years. Okay. Right. Um, 2001. 2000 was about 600. 2001 wow. was 3,500. Wow. And that 13,150. I've got that many for 2011, 2012, and 2013 each year. And it's wow. so if the, if, if the 60s through up 2000 is golden age of UFOs, baby, we are living in the platinum or diamond age. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I often wonder that too. Now, looking at all the data and everything, you know, there was a, all the things that went through my mind were, okay. Like you said, people were, were saying early on, hey, I don't want to tell you where I'm li- I live because, you know, the 24 people that I, the, the house is in my community, you know, all of those things, the stigma, the ridicule, the, you know, the Robertson panel that, you know, that basically we're still trying to wash away now, it, it was still a huge deal. So the people that actually did report, you know, that took guts for them to do that as well. That took the, that took a lot for them to do because we've heard all those stories that, you know, um, that even, you know, uh, the government maybe had their hands in MUFON one, at one point, and we're you they know, did every you know, every UFO group in those days did. Yeah, and and people were scared to report it. So I mean, if you look at those numbers and you think, by God, like I think you even said this at one point, if if it was only like one percent of the people that actually made the report that, that actually witnessed something, it, the the numbers would be astounding, right? I mean, if you only had one percent of the people that actually saw the thing that actually took the time to go make the report that was documented. 
the, the numbers would be astronomical for the amounts that actually exist in, in existence, right? Okay, I mean, let me give you a couple of numbers. Never yeah. in 2020, during the lockdown, all the time in the world to do something and no place to go. <laughs> <laughs> Sit outside and stare at the sky, yeah. Uh, with that, too. But uh, <laughs> yeah. what I did was um, I started looking ahead to the 2021 book, but we would have to have the 2020 data to finish it. Right, okay? right. So we had to wait the year up. And I got a call in early March, just before we really went into the lockdown. Mm-hmm. Infections were being reported everywhere, but it looked like we were in lockdown. Right. And I got a call from George Knapp, and he said, and your phone's ringing off the hook, mine are. Like people are getting, you know, never, your phones had tanked right. 2017, right. 2018. They, from 2013 down to about 2018, they were falling by 30% a year. Wow. Okay. And everybody said, oh, you know, I was getting mail. I was still writing a column. They're saying, oh, Space Force chased them away. And, oh, they're sick of looking at this. Oh, my God. We're going to have an apocalypse. And they don't want to be here for it. You know, I, I heard everything. <laughs> and um, so we looked at this and we thought about this a minute. And I said, okay, then I'm going to start working on this. And people were pushing us to get data down to the city level. Mm-hmm. Well, we did a calculation. First thing we found out was, it would be about 6,500 pages. That's about a foot and a half. Wow. And that's with eight and a half by 11 pages. We said, can't do that. We'll have to come up with something else. But we did a a scan to print out the data by state, county, and city. Mm -hmm. Take the numbers. And right there, that's three and a half percent. Our data for this 2001 to 2020 is 167,632. Report, reported sightings between the on the new board. Wow. So that 3% amounted to about 25K of records. And the overall that that uh, the next 7% that, that had filled out wrong or spelled wrong or had Joe's gas station or the, the golf course or something like that filled in with it yeah. was another 50K. <laughs> Okay. That's so amazing. when you're dealing with big numbers, two or seven percent is a lot. Yeah, yeah. So we figured, okay, we'll have to put the effort in, go in with a golden mail list, bring the database down into Excel, line a golden mail list up with the fields, color that so we could get it out later, Whew. and then merge it in by and sort it by state and city. And then where the counties weren't correct, we filled it, we corrected it just doing a copy and right. it wasn't filled in we just copied it in okay that was about a 500 to 800 lines a day seven hour day it's like going back to work at Lockheed I suddenly middle of August started working on this was putting in 35 hours a week and it took me from the middle of August to the first week of January, 850 hours. Never a former government contractor. I was my time, right? You know? And um, we wanted to wow. know what it would take to do this. And it was like going to work every day. It was, uh, and, yeah. And then, the, then we got done in early January with that information, got everything formatted that we needed with the new 2020 data. It took like a day to do. Mm. And boom. We had the 167,632. So um, I put the book together, ran all the reports and all the tables and graphs and everything the way we were going to do it for this book. Right. By this point, we have discovered drivers, 
we've discovered influencers. Really? Uh, I'll give them to you here in a minute. And, wow. Uh, so it only took, instead of taking 2,000 hours with the two of us doing it, it took me 150 hours to do it by myself. It was wow. easy. <laughs> 850 hours, Cheryl, doesn't sound easy. <laughs> but no, it was really just solid work getting it done and then mm. publishing it. Okay, so right. here's the here's the drivers. Now, people need jerk all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, get what I call, and I, and this is not insulting, but I'm making a point. The armchair UFOologists mm-hmm. think population. Now, if you print out a map with our data and you did it by dots, mm-hmm. it looks like it's all concentrated around the bigger cities. Right. Okay. And that's where. That's because that's where most people are at. <laughs> well, it also gives fuels that thing more eyes to see. Exactly. Yeah. But um, we also discovered that that's true to a certain degree, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to blow a hole in it. I'm going to blow two holes in it real quick. Cool. Linda's, we did a chart by month. And the local state investigator looked at it and said, what what do we need a monthly chart for? Right. And we almost got talked out of putting it in the book. Linda was putting it in in the white book. And we found out that it was a quiescent amount of sightings through the year, dog walkers and smokers. Okay. Yeah. And then around June, July, August, the chart went up like that. Aha. Uh-huh. And trailed off into the fall. And then by October, it was coming down to that quiescent amount, the yearly day to day stuff. And we thought it was like that every place. Get down to the middle level states, not around Virginia, go across the country, that peak comes down and the baseline comes up. Hmm. Get down south, it's statistically flat. Get down deep south, uh, southern Texas, Georgia, Florida, and there's an actual dip in the summertime. It's just too hot to be outside. Temperate weather was a driver. Wow. Okay. Linda, di- Linda discovered that one doing, doing the charts. Um, we suspected that leisure time was a driver. Hmm. Okay. And okay. when we went into the lockdown, I was talking about this on Coast to Coast in early March. Mm-hmm. Just as we gone into lockdown. And callers were calling into George Knapp's Coast to Coast and saying, hey, we're going into this lockdown. There's a perfect laboratory to test your leisure times now. <laughs> there you go. March and April were through the roof. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. Um, then we did something called a scan for hours of the day. Okay. okay. Hours of the day. It's kind of goofy. Draw a quick rendition of it. Hours of the day uh, looks like that. Whoa. Okay. Okay. This is like one o'clock in the morning. This is like about four thirty, five o'clock in the afternoon. It goes up. It's actually sixty-eight to seventy-five percent of the sightings on a single day. Happened between eight thirty at night and ten thirty at night. Wow. Okay. 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 Well, that doesn't that that didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. since been able to generate charts. If you look at a county, I'll give you uh, use an example: Cuyahoga County, Ohio. This is where I live now. Okay. Right. I wasn't there last December. We moved to Ohio when the hey. was family. Welcome. I'm right up the road from you. So I'm right in Maumee. So I'm like right up the oh street. Oh my God, so. that's right. That's right. You're in the other end of the yeah, state. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm an okay. hour and a half away from me. So, I'm, so I can see across Cuyah- the lake. Yeah. We took Cuyahoga County. Yeah. You look at Cleveland, you see sightings all the way across the hours of the day. Okay. Okay. 
Yeah. Right. We want numbers. Right. But if you look at if you look at it by um, when we did that upgrade with the fixing the names, we added zip code and that longitude with the database. Oh wow! Nice longitude. Nice. Okay. All right. Zip code was telling. It gave us something smaller than a county, bigger than a city. Right. Right. That's very cool. Yeah. So what happened is we suspected the sightings based on that time curve mm -hmm. were in the suburbs, the bedroom communities, the unincorporated yep. little communities further out, and the little rural villages in the same county. So here's all these counties. Or here's, here's one county. Here's Cleveland at the top. And in Cuyahoga County, if you went down the track, almost no sightings during the daytime out there in the burbs. But as soon as you get uh, out past about uh, 6.30, 7 o'clock at night till about 11.30, there they were. Wow. And they actually added up to more than the big city. Huh. So that makes sense. So people that's, are... why the window, that's why the window for sightings is essentially the bedtime window of about uh, uh, 7.30 to about 11.30, mostly at 8.30 to 10.30. Okay. So, wow. um, and then there was a thing called, we realized that places that don't have rural broadband. That's oh, a that don't example, have it. If you wow. look, if you look at um, the Great Lakes, I was mm -hmm. on a radio show one night with the white book and I had mm -hmm. it laying out and I had a census chart. You know, I generated these charts, but I really didn't look at them, you know. <laughs> and I was sitting there on a commercial break and I looked down at the thing and I noticed the states that actually touched the Great Lakes had sightings in the many thousands, two, three, mm -hmm. four, five thousand type of thing. Right. Moved two states away and it fell into the low hundreds. Wow. And we found out, I went out there and investigated some of that and it started turning out to be Rural states, farming states, that type of thing. Okay, uh, you probably saw one of my maps recently on Twitter there where I had all the counties in the United States and 150 of them didn't have UFOs. Those, yeah. are, poor, those are poor rural counties. Oh, okay. You look them no, up, you know where they are. You no broadband access, right? Or yeah. minimal, or minimal broadband. Right, okay. Okay, so that was the deal. In fact, those ones that, that, that 105, they didn't report UFOs at all in 20 years. Wow. Okay. Zip code wise, there's 41,600 odd zip code, active zip codes in the United States. 18,605 reported UFOs. That's 44%. Wow. And it's a checkerboard square in almost every state. It, yeah. It, it's not where you think they are. Now, those are the drivers population, temperate weather, leisure time hours of darkness, observer access to broadband. Now, I've had some debunkers get all upset about this. Oh, you're telling us the UFO settings are driven by mundane things. I said, it's as much about human activity as it is the ETs. Right, for okay. sure. Okay, now influencers. Proximity to uh, bodies, big bodies of water. Now, a lot like. of them already knew this, but mm -hmm. we were able to confirm this because people looked at our maps and said, well, wait a minute. Florida's the number two state. It's got half the population, again, the population guys saying it's uh -huh. got half the population of Texas. How come population Texas has got less sightings? And so Florida has 1,200 miles of coastline. Texas has 400. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> um, the, the thing with the hours of darkness. Remember mm -hmm. I told you, like, it dropped a lot, like in right. Georgia and southern Florida. There's one other state that it did that. That was not a southern state. Alaska. 
Oh, hours of darkness. darkness. It's yeah. white nights up there. I worked in those high latitudes. It's white nights all the time. Wow. Okay. So, okay. Now proximity to water. Okay. Now my, my colleague, and I used to have him on sometime, Tom Conwell, except in Troy, New York, I'll get you his information. He's a paranormal oh. guy. And he took our white book and started, took a big map on the wall, started sticking pins in, destroyed yeah. the wall, you know. <laughs> um, proximity to toxic ecosystems. Now, a oh. lot of people need your, oh, they must be hanging around the nuclear power plants. Right. No, right. I've got, I've got the, ad, I, I, I got an activist group gave me the addresses and zip codes to every nuclear power plant in the country, all 55 of them. Yeah. I see no spike in data. Wow. Either people aren't reporting them. Right. Or it's just not happening. Where they seem to be hanging out is they're hanging around our dead coal mines, our dead oil fields, dead gas fields, strip mines, wow. our waste areas, our brown fields, our heavily polluted rivers, heavily polluted wow. lakes. Wow. The other place Tom says they were hanging out is proximity with geological faults. Okay. Ge- fault lines. Okay. All okay. right. They're hanging out around the, um, the uh, Yellowstone Caldera. Uh, the Madrid down to the middle, the, the Midwest wow. states, you know, they're, 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 all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then we identified um, something Blue Book identified, high me- high volume media reports. Now, back in Blue Book days, they thought that you know, the sightings here, when there was those flashes sighting reports in the days that followed, they thought that they were all just like copycat reports. Right, 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 right. When you go back and look at something like MUFON, uh, not MUFON, but uh, Newport data, which is the easiest to look at since it's online. Yeah. What we saw was, pick a state with a one-day hotspot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sighting reports over the first next couple of days. And then there was this follow-on stuff that was higher than usual. Turned out, if you look at the press, they talked about MUFON, Newport. Okay. Place, people reported them, that type of thing. Right. And people said, oh. I had one a couple of years ago. I had one last year or I had one last month. Maybe I better report that to that Newport place or that MUFON place. And uh, they did. And these were retro reports next to the one-day hotspot. Gotcha. So okay. I just a- aggregated it up. That's amazing. Yeah. And then uh, the other thing was what we call the generational effect. Now, this is, this is a theory. Los Angeles County, this city, mm-hmm. Los Angeles County, has more sightings than 39 individual states. Really? Maricopa County, which is essentially the Phoenix area, has mm-hmm. more sightings than 36 individual states. Wow. Okay. Downtown Phoenix, zip code 85001, has the most sightings by zip code of any zip code in the country. Wow. Amazing. Uh, sounds like a lot, right? You know, Right, uh, thirteen hundred seventy-five, but it breaks down to about eighty a year, and it breaks down to about five or six a month. It's still not that daily mythical hotspot people think. There's some place the UFOs come like a bus <laughs> schedule. They're here every day, you know. I've had twelve different documentary producer companies come to me. We want to know where that spot is. Where you set our cameras up and be waiting for them. And I said, you'll be waiting a long time for four or five a month, even in Phoenix. That's going to be an expensive hotel room. you know. Um, okay, so that's it. Uh, uh, driver's population, temperate weather, leisure time, hours of darkness, observer access to broadband. 
influencers, proximity to water, proximity, not every state has these, proximity to water, proximity to toxic, proximity to geological faults, high media reports, and generational things. What that is, is Grandpa saw the Battle of Hay in February of 1942. Uh-huh. Maybe if we look up, we'll see something. Mom and Dad saw the Phoenix Lights in 1997. Maybe if we look up, we'll see something. There, there seems to be this cultural effort to look up. Ah, amazing. And it's it trackable. It's yeah. trackable. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, again, it's a theory, but so yeah. was leisure time. And we were able to confirm that. Right. Okay. Right. So what, what did we have? 2001 to 2020. 167,632. Now it's an it goes up and down, but an average right. of about 8,400 a year, about 700 a month. Wow. About 161 per week and an average of 23 per day. And that's pretty solid. Now, there are, sp- there are spike days going on after you get the baseline. There are spike days. And mm-hmm. I've looked at them. I've looked at a whole year in a state. I do this all the time. And I just yeah. print the whole thing out, the bar chart for 365 days. And some states don't, don't have a lot of sighting. It isn't 365 <laughs> days. And, um, I've done it down to certain counties. Yeah. Like this. Okay. Now people say, oh, yeah. my the manager of my, the staples, I used to go over and get test prints down the way. Cheryl, did you take out all the coops, nuts, and crack pots? <laughs> I said, Ralph, how did you want me to do that? <laughs> well, take 20 or 30% off the top. I said, I'll do you one better. Dr. Lay said, Dr. Jacques Delay said, 80% of the sightings are noise. MUFON investigators will tell you 70% is noise. Linda and Cheryl used different criteria than they did, and we came up with 68. So let's just say 70% is noise. So we're going to take 70% off the top and keep 30%. Wow. Okay. 30% of 167,632 is 50,289. That's about, and it's for 20 years. So about 2,500 a year, about 210 a month. Right. That's 210 starships visiting the United States every month for 240 months of 20 years. Okay. <laughs> now, the people who need to sleep with a nightlight, oh, but they're much more rare than that, Cheryl. They, they can't be getting here from there. They're, they're much more rare. Sorry if I, I go into personal persona <laughs> for these things, you know, but that's what they sound like. I know okay. that's exactly what they sound like. <laughs> so I say, okay, let's take our 167,632 and let's take 99% off. Wow. That's being very generous. So we get 1%. Yeah, 1%. 1,676 for 20 years, 84 a year, and seven starships. This is the real thing. Right. Seven starships a month for 240 months in the United States. Wow. I think that's newsworthy. And I've gone to many editors and news directors and say, here are the numbers. Is this not newsworthy? Right. It's amazing. They just reel back, right? Yes. Uh, Crickets. Crickets. They just get silent on you. Now, I'll give you one more more cool number here. 
Yeah. Numbers don't um, lie. I mean, that's the thing. That's what people don't get, you know? <laughs> it's like... Now, okay, when I first got into writing my column, mm -hmm. I talked to numerous MUFON investigators, and I heard two models. I said, how many are there? Remember, I haven't added numbers up yet. Yeah, right. All right. They would say one in 10 reports what they see. Now, this okay. is based on Stanton Friedman and a number of other people going to a college talk someplace, having mm -hmm. everybody raise their hand if they'd seen a UFO. Most of the people put one up, and then you see how many people reported. And there was somebody out in the audience counted up, and it always worked out to about 10%. Okay, this got it. Barbers, this is doctors. Doing old guys that were UFO guys doing it in their offices, and this is what they came up with. Right. But if we've got 167,632, then that says we've got, you know, 1%, it doesn't work. Okay. We couldn't resolve this. Right. And right. then in 2000, 17 July of 2017, Fox Pictures, the old Fox Pictures, did a movie that was set against the Phoenix Lights. It was a horror movie, and some teenagers or college students did it, abducted, you know, mysteriously, really? just mysteriously <laughs> disappear in one of those canyons where these things also showed up, besides the big show. Okay. Right. And there were a lot of other sightings besides the big show. Right, 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 right. Okay. Um, he talked to um, Dr. Ty Kelp, so so um so they did something else different in their in their poll yeah they came up with the same 36 percent believe 42 around the fence 17 percent say it's hogwash right, okay? right but they ask another question how many people say they've seen a ufo and it came back with a number of 16.74 percent hmm, now i had a metric now i had a metric of adult americans so I took 2010's census, mm -hmm. middle way in my 20-year 20, 20 and the adult Americans, uh, 18 plus, would be um, 200, 258 million rounded off. Okay, a lot of people. 16 percent right. of that would be 43 million 189,000. Okay. Now we did it back against the the the, the um, the bigger number, if we just did 10% of that 43 million, it would tell us that we had 4.3 million reports. We wow. Right, we right. Okay. I even calculated it. There was another guy who said, well, a population, only 10, one of 10 in the population has seen the UFO. Right. And of the ones that have seen the UFO, only one in 10 reports it. We can do that. I've cranked right. those numbers. They don't work. I've tried it a dozen ways. It doesn't work. Right. But what we do come up with is I have, I, I have cheat cards down here. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> I can't remember these numbers. I'm so I can you do. hold a lot of them in my head, but as soon as I get on the show, I go blank. That's okay. Okay, so what it works out to is that 16% uh, divided by the amount of reported numbers. Now, 
I know I allow for um, people who didn't report it to MUFON, didn't report it to Newport. They mm-hmm. called the police department and the state right. on the bladder and nobody it didn't go any further. Uh, right. They maybe called the local newspaper. The editors in my paper collected all this stuff and threw them away at the end of the ship. Okay? <laughs> went no wow. And there are right. people who get on social media and share it with their friends. Right, right. Okay? And I found that I did some polls in some of the groups on Facebook at one point. Yeah. So if you divide that 167,000 into the 43 million, it works out to, it's the first time I did it, I didn't feel comfortable with the number. Mm-hmm. So I went and did all 50 states adult population census data okay. against sightings. And it came up with a bell curve. Ah. Okay. So one in 150 people reports what they see. Down at the other end, one in 475 people reports what they see. And then everybody in the middle and up around the top is the one in 200 something. I okay. say 250 people like a round number. The okay. actual number is one in 257 people reports what they see. Wow. That's amazing. That is amazing. And that's all based on stigma. I think that's honestly, but I mean, the Robinson panel and the 70 years of making people feel like they're tinfoil well, news hat wearing coming out, Make fun of you on the evening news. Yeah. Or you do, they, their, their stringer would go out and get a nice interview, cut, edit it really nicely, do a nice job of interviewing Joe the chicken farmer or Joe the pig farmer or whatever the case is. And then yeah. as soon as they got done running the piece, they cut back to the anchor and the anchor would go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. they still do it. They still do it. Or they'll play the X-Files music in the background. That, oh, that's yeah, the other that's thing. Silly. Yeah. I have yeah. reached out to all the newspapers that I can, all the major newspapers in Ohio. They won't mm-hmm. talk to me. Okay. I sent them the data from their county. Wow. So I can give you one hell of a story. It's amazing. Obviously, I'm a coop nut crackpot because I do this stuff. Wow. That's still, you would think that now, I mean, even now that the yeah. tides are turning, you know. Well, the last one I did, I, I Linda and I, a couple, about two months ago, we sent, still summer, okay, we picked out eight major colleges and universities, some of them whose names you would know in a heartbeat here in Cuyahoga mm-hmm. County, Ohio. <laughs> okay, okay. Gave a really terse introduction letter mm-hmm. to that we didn't have kind Congress was getting ready to investigate. We didn't know that they were going to say these things are off the world. Okay. Yeah, I'm getting right, ready right. to send these colleges under the letter. <laughs> yeah. And then the second page was a, a, a one page or two page document that had a couple of these big maps like that we've seen on Twitter. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. basically we, it was called the scale of things. And we said, hey, uh, this is how many zip codes, this is how many reported, this is how many um, counties, da 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 da. Oh, by the way, and that's for the United States. Here's Ohio in the 5,500, uh, 55, um, uh, 5,543 from this thing. And oh, by the way, here in Cuyahoga County, here's how many we have. And here's yeah. how many counties and zip codes in Cuyahoga County reported it. Okay. And crickets. Again, silence. Nobody answered that. Now, we're getting ready to send them a second letter and say, Are you sure you don't want to have us come and give a presentation to your academia and your students? Because Congress just said these things are all horrible. <laughs> and we're the national experts on this stuff. But crickets. Just wow. And that's what's so bloody frustrating. 
Yeah, no, I, I totally, I totally agree. I think that your work is, is, uh, sorely needed. And I, and I can't believe that anybody that, that doesn't pick up the desk reference at all and, and not see the amount of sheer dedication and work that you did, it, it, you know, is, is, is just astounding. The, the amount of data that's there and, and just some of the things that you've been able to, to peel out of that data to look for those things. I mean, um, you know, we've heard this all through the UFO community and, um, I've actually heard it in, in many circles as well is that once you start seeing patterns, um, that's when it gets a little weird, right? Once you start seeing patterns, that's when, that's when people start taking an interest in your work and, and seeing, because there's no, there's no particular rhyme or reason to any of it. But once you do start picking them out, then it becomes very clear what these, what these are, you know, and it's really interesting. I mean, not to me, I, I, I don't know, <laughs> but, but I mean, you've seen the data yourself, you know? Well, here's the new book, the new series is coming out. Yeah. We couldn't print that book, put half the book. Right. So we're going to do two things. And Linda and I just agreed on a, I ran into it. I wanted to have it out before now, mm-hmm. but uh, we've done the numbers for every state. Now, I don't know if you've got a copy of the pink book by any chance. I have not gotten one yet, okay. but I will. The first part of the pink book has um, all of our narrative and all the things we discovered, basically a paper. Right, right. Okay, we've done that, and it's it's about 35, 40 pages, okay? And okay. then we, what we did was we did charts and graphs for every single state. What we're getting ready to do is we came up with a catchy title. There's one for every, there's going to be one for every state. Mm-hmm. And the, one, the first one to come out will be, and the name of the book is, UFOs in Ohio and where to find them. Yes. It kind of awesome. hooking into that fantastic piece and where to find them kind of. Yeah. Kinda, yeah. But every book will be called that. Okay, okay? great. And um, basically what we do is we do a summary for that state, like four or five page summary in terms of, of charge graphs and numbers just for the highlights. And then right. we do a dump. And I love this. We do a dump by county zip code. 2001 to 2020 across the top of the horizontal page, the landscape page, nice. and every shape and what, how many, what sightings, what years. Now, now we're not giving you the write-ups on them. We're just giving right. you okay, the county, uh, county, da 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 da, had uh, five shapes show up, and here's the frequency. Oh, this county had all 29 show up. Okay? <laughs> here's the frequency. You know, explain right. the shapes. And if we do that, and I'm still alive at the end of it, <laughs> um, we're going to take um, we're going to take uh, the actual shape ones. Not the, the, in the data. There's these um, unknown uh, mm. anomalous that kind of thing. There's a couple right. of, a couple of things that aren't, you really can't say what they are. Like, right. It, there's people think UFOs. They don't think in terms of triangle, saucer, fireball, ring of lights square right. correct angle that kind of stuff okay. yeah boomerangs right, right. you know v-shaped ones that kind of thing chevrons yeah um so we're going to basically generate a book for every single shape wow okay and then we're going to do that chart printout where you actually get a dump for 20 years of what counties and zip codes within that state had those sightings and what years they had this and the volume of those sightings wow that's going to be very, very awesome. Excited so, about the Ohio one, obviously. <laughs> okay. Well, I, Ohio and Michigan will be the first ones. Uh, we yeah. generated the charts for all of them. We got the front end all built. And nice. we just have to do some tweaking. Uh, when you build a book, there's a 
front matter, you know, there's the, what they call the vertical page, you've got the title page, it's got the copyright. You got to change that because you're, we're doing a series and you have to add a series number in there, get uh -huh. the ISBN number. So that's done just about the time we're uploading it to Amazon. And then we also have to do that tiny little four page summary for every single state. We're about, uh, I would say we're about half done. Wow. Um, awesome. Very cool. I just have to get off my butt and finish it. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I got a little depressed because the, the thing that holds you back on producing the book is the, um, the size of the cover. Really? Yeah, because you only have a 10-page tolerance, five pages plus or minus center hmm. cover. So if I say it's a 360-page book, the cover, I tell the system 360 pages, it will, uh, in the PDF, that we mm -hmm. upload to them, one final big PDF with the whole book. Uh, it will look at that and they will pick out a format and it will send me a template if I want to design the thing. Mm. And I was going to be here with Doomsday doing the covers. So Linda and I agreed on this last week to sit down and have a real serious talk over two fingers of whiskey <laughs> and, uh, uh, and said, uh, my speed. <laughs> Why don't I just use the the system knows how many pages the PDF is. Mm -hmm. They have stock. They have stock uh, covers. Ah. And then they'll make the adjustments in the automation. That's why automation help us here. Yeah. Right. So we're going to finish up and have all all fifty done. And remember those tweaks I got to do. Yeah. And when I get back, uh, Linda and I are going to Michigan to UFO contact conference tomorrow morning we're driving up there awesome very and cool give gonna give a presentation up at uh, contact and, very cool um, uh, in fact we're the first presenters up there we're gonna set the tone for the weekend <laughs> awesome very and cool. uh, so we're gonna do that but basically when i get back i'm gonna just you know put the time clock on and, and, and finish these these tweaks i have to do finish the versos and then uh, once we have all the PDFs done for all 50 states, uh, we're going to produce that whole series the state by and where to find them. You know, so it'll be uh, Illinois and where the UFOs in Illinois and where to find them. You know, that type of thing. And we're going to yeah. finish them. California will be the biggest. We know it's going to be upwards of around 530 pages. But wow. It's within the span of what Amazon can print for us. Wow. So um, they'll all be available. So do that. And then we've got our analysis books, the two other, and we're going to do two more analysis because I have discovered how many hotspots there are in the United States. Wow. I took a That's break a... a couple of months ago. Wow. The, the myth is there's a hotspot, such a clock by it, like a bus schedule. No, it doesn't right. exist. Really? Okay. But I used to think there were maybe 150 one-day hotspots out there. This is what you have to keep in mind. One state, our 20-year period, 2001 to 2020, is... 7,303 days, and that's including the zip code, uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, leap years. Leap year, okay, okay, okay. 50 states, that works out to 146,060 days. So much okay. okay, okay. Of that, we've identified 737 plus or minus five hotspots, one day hotspots. Wow. Someplace, give an example. Um, I use Indiana a lot. I'll use Indiana again. 2008, April 16, 2011. Daily average in the United States is 23. That particular day was 60. Huh. Okay. 
did a breakout report. And as usual, those additional states that reported, it was ones and twosies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everything was ones and twosies. Except Indiana, a state that averages two sightings a week, had 25 in one day. Wow. It's become the known as the Kokomo lights. But that 25 one day, I have it down to the municipalities, I have it down to the zip codes, and the two or three towns that it showed up in. Wow. Okay. And so what we're going to do with this um, hotspots book, yeah. when I'm going to do seven, I got people bugging me for it now. <laughs> got to get the state's books done. I'm right. going to do the hotspots book. And because I've done all the hotspots, I know where they are now. Okay? Right. I'm going to do it. And then I've got a couple of interns helping me. People nice. Here online. Very and cool. I send them a date. And I say, here's the search pattern I want you to use, fill in the date and search, and tell me if there's any traditional media reporting. Ah, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I don't so want to know if time. UFO hunters went there. I want to know right. if WXYZ went there. Yeah, I want to know right. if uh, uh, WBYT radio went there and yeah. it was recorded. Okay. That's awesome. I'm trying to come up with that information. And we're going to narrow it down. And these are one-day hotspots. Nothing ever happens there if they had something wild going on. Uh, California yeah. had about 200 of them, but California had 21,000 sightings <laughs> in 20 years. Okay? Right, right, so It's right. a different ballgame with them. But, yeah. it, but even with California, it was only half a percent of the total number of days. Most days are empty boxes. Right, right, right. right. You, you just have these spikes that just shoot up no, out of no, the no, data. No, 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 You get onesies, twosies all the time. Okay. Sometimes okay. they're threesies. Okay. Four or bigger was statistically significant. Ah, okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. Four or bigger. Yeah. Okay. So that's what we, that, like I said, I've identified that. I've got those spreadsheets set aside in a different file. And that's what we're getting ready to do. Awesome. When we're done with this, and if I survive making this over the next year and a half, okay, um, it is going to be the largest published collection of compiled, analyzed UFO data ever published in human history. That's amazing. And the State University of New York at uh, Albany has taken my papers. That's amazing. Very cool. Now, we get this big collection done. We'd like to be able to stay in front of some committee at some university and say, can we have <laughs> our PhDs now? You know. Maybe you'll get one from somebody when they come down. And say, there you go. You know, Linda takes the um, takes the. Um, she's an art history is an art history major besides yeah. her science degrees, and she likes to take the uh, she likes to take the Van Gogh um, mentality. You know, so we'll be famous after we're done. <laughs> well, I hope that's not the case. I really don't because I think that you're. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing if you just show up to the next congressional hearing and just drop the book on the desk and be like, okay, and I'll explain this. You know, what, what do you guys have? I mean, what are, what are the data that the government's sitting on? That Well, that... I told them back in 2019, this is before we knew about COVID. I said, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a whole bunch of Pentagon spooks and it's going to yeah. be a whole bunch of swaggering pilots. Yep. And that's and what that's it was. That's what it is. Day, that's, what, that's how we got yeah. it. That's a, but the... I, there's talk right now that it's, they may, I know that, okay, Rubio had our pink book. This mm-hmm. Last summer, a year ago, uh, last summer, 2021 summer. Right. One morning, I got up and I had a case of these books. Yeah. I put two pink books on the couch. 
went over and wrote a draft letter to the head of the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. And nice. Duplicate the same letter for the, the head of the House Select Committee on Intelligence. Okay, nice. Rubio is the guy in the Senate. Okay? Right, right. And it was a draft letter. Okay. I laid it on the pink book, and then I generated a chart for both of these guys' home state, right down to the zip code, kind of like we're going to do with the, the state book. Yeah. And Rubio's was an inch and a half. <laughs> you know, right down to the zip code. Right, and right, right. Same right, thing right. for the, the guy in the house. Uh, it turned out he was a New York guy, so I went ahead and did him. Yeah. And before, just before the congressional hearings opened up, Andre Carson, who's been chairing it, yeah, his office got that same kind of a package, the pink book and an inch and a half printout for Indiana. That's awesome. Haven't heard a thing from any of them. But <laughs> about three weeks ago, I'd been writing, Senator Schumer was my senator in upstate New York. Okay? Yeah. Uh, and for seven years, I wrote him regular letters. We need to have congressional hearings. We need to right. have congressional hearings. You know, I'm a broken record. We need to have congressional hearings. <laughs> Good There's for something you. big going on here. You know, here's some right. data, you know. Yeah, I got yeah. a very, not a terse, I got a nice letter from him. So I got a nice letter from the head of the head of the majority leader of the Senate of the United States, thanking me for supporting congressional hearings. That's very nice. Very nice. He got awesome. that about a month ago. I was like, Ah, <laughs> no. It's amazing so, how the tides have changed, you know. I mean, I think yes. that they're going to listen to the 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 constituents, you know. I mean, I I bug my senators and congressmen all the time. I'm in, you know, I'm like, hey, this is real. This is going on. Let's, you know, um, I get the form letters back. Next but time actually, you bug them, next yeah. time you bug them, drop them a bug letter. I say, will. As your hearings are going on, make sure you get the two statistical experts, Cheryl Linda Costa. Yeah, there you Tell go. That if they start hearing this. Um, because right now they're measuring it around military bases. And right. I think it's important for the Congress to look at it from the scale of it from the entire freaking United States, not just well, military fleets. Well, especially from their own constituents as well. Like you said, you get it right down to their zip code, right? Right down to the to the, their base or like you said, congressional districts, right? If we get down to the congressional districts, here you go. This is your congressional district. This is how many reports you've had. These are the people that are voting for you potentially or not uh, that care about these things because they do, right? They're I not a rich kooks. guy in They're California told me that he would buy me the database of what the current congressional districts that zip codes are. Wow. He said he would pay for it. So I may be looking him up to say, by the way, sorry, I burped it. It's okay, but I didn't didn't know there were, (laughs) I didn't know that you had to pay for that data. I didn't, that was, that wasn't. That one's not available. That, that, that's, uh, that's a third party. The government does not publish that, but a third party did. Wow. That's amazing. It's not cheap. It's a couple hundred bucks, but, um, um, okay. Here's the other thing. There are people who say, well, Cheryl and Linda, had several people reviewed the book, the pink book, and said, Cheryl Linda um, deserve a grant and a staff of 20 people to do whatever further research they're doing. And we made the point of the last couple of presentations we've done at major UFO conferences. Uh, by the way, all this data you're loving was paid for by the pensions of two old ladies. Yeah, right. Exactly. So what's unconscionable here? Okay. <sighs> It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, has anybody uh, contacted you from the government uh, uh, or any um, agencies to, to say, 
Hey, we really appreciate your work. Um, you know, can we help you or can we hurt you? (laughs) Nothing, just ghost. Yes. Well, no. Um, we know for a fact that the congressional information office has copies of the white book. Okay. Okay. Cool. Because we've heard from one of their librarians. Nice. Nice. Okay. And we suspect they probably heard about the pink book. Got it. Got it. And, so, and judging from uh, some, again, some inside information I had, uh, the yeah. Vatican has the pink book too, you know, so. Uh, wow. Wow. Now that's, that's a big step there. I mean, the Vatican's very interested in all of this. The, and, and the it's... pink, both the white book and the pink book, both of them have been sold internationally. Remember, we published with Amazon and right. it, it's print on demand. So there, one of my books I did last, uh, this past January, um, I'm a bonafide witch. I've been at it for 44 years. And when a witch in my tradition retires, um, it's expected that you'll write a book about your life and magic. It might be, uh, you know, history of your coven, might be your autobiography as a witch, you know, whatever. I decided to take on magical physics. Oh, that sounds interesting. And I've written a book that has almost no gobbledygook in it. No, you know, it is it's only 144 pages but uh, the, the the reviews you see online say she cuts to the chase it's all here yeah right you know? cool so and my my adult daughter said um uh, said to me um uh, and she saw the original draft she said you're passing out loaded shotguns to third graders because i made it that simple but you have to be able to meditate and clear your mind. And most people are too busy looking at the phone. So it's not going <laughs> to happen, you know. Well, that's that's another book I'm going to read, Cheryl, right there. I'm going to read that one because that it's interests called, me as well. It's, it's called it's called Magical Musings of a Rogue Witch. Ah, I love it. That's okay. cool. It's, avail- it's available on Amazon. And the, the blurbs are something to love because I sent it to peers. Mm. published peers and i thought they were all going to hate it because i took this very unorthodox approach to teaching magic and they almost all came back and said this is the way we should be teaching it awesome well cool very good that's awesome because because i i'm convinced that all of this stuff that we see in the sky has some type of esoteric connection there's the other aspect of this thing um uh, consciousness is a big deal it is totally and uh, Ray Hernandez, if you can ever get him on this on the program, he's he's the guy with the uh, uh, for the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation. Beyond okay, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like yeah. Eight nine hundred page books or something like that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Him and I were having a really nice, polite argument down in uh, Arkansas in two thousand nineteen, and we were sitting there having this deep conversation about the consciousness stuff. You know, right, having a cup of coffee and eating some you know banana cream pie or something, you know, <laughs> and we got done with our. 25, 30 minutes worth of very intense, what I call a monastic <laughs> debate, you know. Remember, I used to live in a Buddhist monastery, you know? ah. And we went to stop talking, and we realized like 40 people were <laughs> chairs and were listening to us argue, you know. Um, so, but the bottom line is, is that he is of the same opinion I am. Mm. Uh, viewing ghosts, other paranormal activity, ray lines all this stuff it's all one phenomenon stop right. stove piping ufo people won't talk to ghost hunters won't talk to bigfoot guys it's all one phenomenon 
Yes. I totally say that all the time. It's, it's the, you know, Pat, I talked to a guy named Patrick Jackson that tied the whole ghost phenomenon into this whole thing as well with the orbs and, and things like that. And you're right. Uh, you know, David Politis is missing 411 or people just go missing in, in, you know, national parks. That's another part of this whole and thing. As it's, I said, uh, hijinks, hijinks in the house every night, uh, yeah, every night. Once, <laughs> once a week. But I'll give you an example. I made a comment about a week ago, two weeks ago. Um, Linda has a sewing machine called a serger. Hmm. Sergers um, are done, they have several rolls of thread on them because they, they have a very complex way of using this stuff. Okay. Oh, okay. 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 Usually it's more than a sewing, it's like a super sewing machine. Gotcha. And you use it to trim and things like this. Okay. And it's a pain in the ass to, to thread. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because really, you put all these things on there. Yeah. 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 yeah it's a real pain in the ass. Um, she, she, about two weeks ago, she says, did you touch my server? Now, we both sew. Okay. And we both sew a lot. And I said, no, I don't, I never use this surgery. I'm a, I'm a straight stitch person. You know, <laughs> you know I, I have a 20 year old brother sewing machine and I've got a 1918 vintage singer. Wow. My brother quit when we were making masks for people in our apartment complex in 2020. Yeah. I went, I got in my car, put a mask on, drove out to my storage unit, pulled out the, this big piece black <laughs> iron, 1918 so, uh, Singer sewing machine, and I brought it home, and that thing was a battleship. It just, just kept going, right? You know? Yeah. I actually like using it. It's so simple. You know? Yeah. But uh, the bottom line was, um, for threading, it's all somebody, somebody would Messed with it. Hmm. We've had situations where somebody messed with the fish over and they, they tanked. Really? Turned off, turned off the air from um, hmm. out the plants or something. But, you, know, you know, weird stuff. And I yeah. mentioned it to one of the other investigators, you know, our buddy Linda on there. I mentioned yeah. to her, I said, Yeah, we called it, we, we called it activity in the evening. They messed with my surgery too, you know. And I said, <laughs> You know, they're interesting. I, I, I had a joke. Pizza, uh, you have an uh, uh, alien stole my pizza cutter. <laughs> you know, the little wheel, you know, who yeah, knows? Yeah. They, they pick stuff up. Sometimes it comes back. Remember I told you I had books missing here? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, then suddenly one day you, you, come, you get up, you're coming out with your first cup of coffee and you're kind of coffee table and they'll be all stacked up. <laughs> You just got to roll with it, you know, and that that's what, you know, one of the things that uh, I don't, Tom DeLong mentioned uh, recently was just that you, the more you, the more you um, acknowledge it and the more that you, um, you know, put emotion behind it and, and see that those happens, the, the more frequently the, they happen, the more, the more they start showing up and, and, you know. When I lived in so, the Buddhist monastery, my lama, when I say Buddhist monastery, I had the buzz cut or yeah. Dalai Lava robes to work every day at Lockheed Martin headquarters, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I wasn't the only one. There were two of us from our from our oh. congregation that were both ordained nuns, and we both worked in corporate security at Lockheed. <laughs> and and this particular group of people was only 125 of us in the company, and two Buddhist nuns. Statistically, Buddhist nuns were taking over security at Lockheed. You know, <laughs> it was so funny. Um, but uh, one of my lamas one day and I were having a long talk about paranormal stuff. Yeah. The reason we had this long talk is. Uh, we had been out there, our grand holiness had come to town. And after 
he gave his big talks in the temple and everything, and 500 people went home, you know. Yeah. We broke out the, the grills, you know. And he went to have hot dogs and hamburgers, and he's out there, 60 year, 65 year old guys out there playing basketball with the young monks, you know, and that kind of thing. And there were 35, 40 monks and nuns, mostly nuns, so about 35 nuns. And he's in there. One of the nuns looks over and asks Colinus, he's eating his hot dogs. Um, we talk about being compassionate to beings other places other than Earth. Be compassionate mm. to beings in the greater universe. Right. Are there any beings on the moon? He sits back and scans the monks and nuns and points at me and another nun, we'll call her Vicky, and uh, points at me and Vicky and said, Oh, you two have been touched by the sky dancers. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> thanks <laughs> i was already because i was you were both witches as it was and and, and the other monks and nuns knew that and they were kind of creeped out by that you know <laughs> um the llamas were good with us because they knew we knew the physics of magic they were good with us mm-hmm. other monks and nuns okay so i looked at Vicky and i said they're asking about the population of people on the back side of the moon she said yeah i know and she says, she looks at me and says, it is seasonal. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, uh, so right now, okay. Uh, um, right now? And he said, yeah, five. <laughs> five? And, and I'm like, oh, thank you. Moved on to the next question. Just very matter of fact. And, and for the next three months, <laughs> they wouldn't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> five wow um, i've taught remote viewing over 20 years yeah yeah okay and i've had about six classes and this isn't like a one-day class this is like if you sign up for the class it's like uh two weekends a month uh, mm-hmm. for like a year okay and we mm-hmm. run targets and i had, I had in uh, linda's intern stuffed an envelope full of target <laughs> cute envelopes you know yeah thing. there are some target cards we recycled that they put a new serial number on it that type of thing gotcha and every single class eventually got the back, the, the, the uh, base on the backside of the moon. Wow. They didn't know what the card was. They just started working the protocol. They got meditated down, cooled down. They did a meditation. They started doing the protocols. They started walking through it. Got all done. And two or three of the ladies put their pens down. And said, boy, whoever those people were, they did not like us being they wow. Yes, they were aware of this. And then we opened up the card and showed them what the target card was. This is the, the LED base on the back side of the moon today. It was, you, have to be, you have to be sensitive to temporal coordinates. And, wow. uh, and uh, it was every one of the classes had done that. So when I was doing a summary at the end of the year, I said, I'm taking a bit of Titanic. I've taken you to Mars to find from the rovers. I've taken you to the side of the moon. Some of you have tried to go in the White House, and I said, try if it's warded. They couldn't get in. Oh, yeah. Even remote viewers couldn't get in. Somebody in our government is magically oriented. Wow. They're, they're throwing a block up, huh? Yeah. And a couple of the bases are like that, too. Wow. 
I'm not going to go into it deeply. Okay. No, no, no. I've heard that as well. I've heard that, but I, you know, I heard the the Ingo Swan thing about the dark side or the dark side of the moon. Yeah, the base. that's where that I was... got the original idea for it. Yeah. And yeah. Ingo Swan and uh, the people who trained me were part of Doctor Courtney Brown's team there with uh, Farsight. Okay. Gotcha. The Farsight. Yeah, yeah. And but uh, that came from. They wanted to offer this like seven hundred, fourteen hundred dollar class down in New York City, you know, and yeah. expensive with hotel rooms being five hundred bucks a night. I never think. And I wrote them and I said, "What if I could offer your class forty five dollar a night hotel rooms, and I won't charge you for the space?" I said, "How would you do that?" And I said, "At the time, I was running a small Buddhist center in upstate New York for my my, my lineage." And I had this big ranch-style house. I had no furniture in it. And I went down to the wedding supply store. They they rented me some church-style tables, and we set it all up for them and everything. And nice. I and the other the other monastic got to go for free. You know, nice. Do the class for free. And, cool. Uh, so <laughs> that's how I got trained. You know. So and then I had follow-on connection with them, things like that. So. Um, yeah. I've been doing it for quite a while, and uh, I like teaching it. In fact, I'm getting ready to teach an advanced mystics class here in about two weeks. And, nice. Um, we had 30 people apply. We took six. Wow. That's cool. And I was prepared to take upwards of 10, but yeah. they all had to write like a 300-word essay telling me what, what the background was and why they want to study this. Yeah, nobody's doing that, right? <laughs> no, they did. I mean, unless, they, you're, unless you're serious. I mean, uh, you no, like, they did. Oh, they, they all did. did. Wow. Yeah, wow. They, they all, some of them wrote the, the minimum and some right. of them wrote the whole thing. Like one guy would need three, four pages. Wow. Um, but it, it's come down to six people who are actually going to take the class. Wow. So, so what's the class it, entail? Uh, it's uh, two Mondays a month uh, for a year. Wow. And, and uh, I'll be teaching, they will keep, I'll teach them my advanced physics view of magic. No lighting cool. candles, no dancing around in funny robes around the fire. Uh, I am going to teach them the pure physics of magic. I've taught this class one other time. It was in 2003. Awesome. And we started out with uh, 17 students, one finished. Whoa. Okay. It's not a hard class, but it's not easy. The thing that washes them out mm. is they can't get a handle on meditation. Everybody wants to play with their phone. Everybody yeah. wants to be is tied into all the distractions. Right. And I right. told them I needed them to be able to meditate, work up to it. That was two minutes a day, but I needed them to work up to about 15 to 20 minutes of meditation a day. And mm-hmm. they always came up with some reason why they couldn't. <laughs> well, it's, it's just a, I think it's very different in the West than it is the East. I mean, but obviously in different centers and different places around the world, I mean, it's, it's different, but you know, I try really hard and it's, it's not easy, you know, but uh, well, you know. we've got so much distraction being fed into our subconscious, the chatter. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've done a lot of scientific research on the chatter. Yeah. There's a book out there about it. I can always send you a title if you're interested. Um, the bottom line is, if people are stopping arrogant and saying, well, if those monks can do it for an hour, I should be able to do that. <laughs> no, they started when they were seven. Right, yeah, okay. right, right, right. But um, the deal is, is if you start with two minutes, for about two or three months, one day you'll sit down to do your two minutes, and you'll do it, you'll end up doing it for five minutes because it's so easy. 
Mm -hmm. Once you get it past the point of not having all that crap in your subconscious come up like ghosts and confront you, your your boss yelling at you, your mother yelling at you, your sister yelling at you, your wife yelling at you, your fifth grade teacher still yelling at you, you know, um, once they manage that, then anybody can do it. And then it's a matter of turning thought into form and turn visualization. You see on TV, these guys get up there in movies like uh, Harry Potter and they chant some big incantation. Words don't cut it. The mechanism to touch the universe and the great consciousness is nonverbal. But it has to be communicated in visual. So skilled witches know how to trick their mind using everything from pictures, music, dancing, um, uh, games of charades, so to speak, you know, right, right, uh, right, to generate the magic, okay? the ritual of the thing, kind of the that's what the ritual is about. Too many people right. see all that stuff and think it's it's about the words, it mm-hmm. doesn't understand the words, the younger right. self doesn't, or what we would actually in Christian tradition would call the Holy Spirit, you know, mm-hmm. that's how you communicate, okay. Even Christian tradition does it, you touch the consciousness through the Holy Spirit, okay, right. Right. Um, but so the bottom line is that's how the mechanisms work. And mm-hmm. it goes two ways. You can do active magic where you direct and manifest something. Mm-hmm. Now you don't wiggle your nose and separate people. Okay. Right. Yeah. And sometimes this thing that you want to have happen, sometimes you have to focus on that thing a little bit, a couple of minutes a day, every day for weeks, maybe months. Some things, I had a television show in 1991. I meditated on that for two years, every day, two minutes a day, every day for two years. And all I managed to get was a measly contract for seven, six episodes. (laughs) Of course, a little story went out on the Associated Press and suddenly publicity was raining down on that little cable station and we ended up getting contracts for upwards of 70 episodes over three years. So (laughs) it's funny how that works, you know. Yeah, I mean, you're only dealing with a couple of witches, you know, for God's sakes, you know. So, Cheryl, you're awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat. Anytime, my friend, anytime. And as we get the start making the statement, when the Ohio book comes out, let's do this again. We'll talk about yes. this Ohio. There's some cool stuff going on here. This place oh, has been a hotbed for years. Always, Ohio's always in the top 10. I know it's amazing. And I always thought it was because of the lakes, but you said that the water's not the, it's, it's really not the driver. I mean, obviously the it lakes is. probably, it is. Okay. It's, it, it is a driver than yeah, the body major, of water. You got one of, the, one of the major lakes here. Okay. Yeah. And you got right Patterson Air Force Base. I mean, you know, yeah. Remember yeah. that's where they took the Roswell stuff to the, to the foreign technology division, you know. Yeah. Whether it's still it's there. there now. Well, I don't know. We don't know that. It's still that's well. I mean, the foreign technology could, division is still there. I'm not sure that the the parts are still there. Or anything, that's one of those but, places we can't touch or remote deal. <laughs> right, Pat? At all? What about Batil or Batel? We can get we can get the get the Batel. We can't even talk about Batel, huh? Uh, it's right down the road. It's right near Columbus. Fifty one chain. They moved everything out of this nature during the Clinton administration. While there were 47 or 75 or 100 satellite trucks parked in front of the White House during. The Clinton scandal with Monica Lewinsky. Oh, yeah, the Molinsky thing, yeah. Nobody was watching what was going on out there. <laughs> Everybody was just trucking everything out of the way. This, huh? is, <laughs> this is the old intelligence person telling you this. <laughs> I, I, I was saying, if they're if they're generating that much publicity in D.C., I lived in D.C. At the time. Oh, yeah. But 
if you're doing this, what are you doing with doing over here? Yes. You know, that's what I'm know. always talking about. They're doing the distraction here. And I took intelligence analysis in college as well. And it was you like, wow. From. Yeah, I knew exactly where you're coming from. And so the, the whole entire Trump presidency, I'm like, what in the hell are they doing in the background that they don't want us to pay attention to? If they have this circus going on here with this whole Trump shit going on for this entire presidency, they're moving something that they don't want anybody to watch best, over on that side. The best we know is they moved the whole operation that was... Area 51 tests a lot of new technology. Right, okay. right, right. Yeah. If there was any of this UFO stuff out there, it's long gone. And mm -hmm. we believe it is in an underground base in the mountains of uh, deep in Colorado someplace. Oh, yeah. It's got to be the other side of the um, Air Force. Uh... We don't know. We don't yeah. know where it is. I'm not, and I, I don't think it's anywhere near like the Air Force Academy. Like, like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That that's it, a, that I always heard that that was the rumor. Yeah. yeah. Get it up, get it out of the way, get it somewhere out of out of. I think of, we need range. to wrap this up. Definitely, Cheryl. Thank you very, very much for your time. I appreciate Anytime. it. Time and you and I need to have a good long talk about the Masons. Oh yeah, we do. <laughs> not we on really this do. Thing. <laughs> no, no, not on this thing. No, we can stop this thing. But yeah, we definitely have to talk a long talk about the Masons. I got to. I'll see a couple of them this weekend, and uh, I'm going to definitely talk to him about some of our stuff. But I'll let's stop on this thing so we can chat. Thank for just you a very second. much. By the way, it's an absolute pleasure to finally meet you in person, so to speak. And I look forward to uh, actually meeting you in the flesh at some point in the future. We're just down the road from each other. Exactly. We'll find a hot spot and jump in there and see if we can find some UFOs. There you go. <laughs> bye bye, my friend. Thank you for.